Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. You're joined by myself, Katie Walls, and Samuel Eddy, and we'll be um, with you for this this next hour to talk about self-care at work and managing stress and feeling well in the workplace. So it's quite a big topic. Um, but yeah, looking forward to being really interactive with that. And for anyone who's been on previous podcasts, we really, um, yeah, the invitation is there to ask questions to make it quite particular personal to what you may be going through because then everyone can relate to that as well and if you've got questions from the last topic that we had or anything that's unfolded for you since then um, please go ahead and put those questions in as well because this is very much um, a program as such with the the topics that we're talking about so before we get into things just a couple of housekeeping points um, that this episode is being recorded so if you miss anything or want to refresh yourself with anything you will be getting that sent out to you um, and then yeah to to ask those questions as we're going through so sam just wanted to hand over you so that you can give an intro um, in your background and, and just before we start things sure um, hi everyone it's good to be here um, my background i'm an executive coach for parents at work i also do a lot of corporate well-being training. I've had a background in finance and business for many years, led marketing teams and did a lot of coaching work there. I've also got a psychology master's and have helped and trained as a counsellor and helped a lot of people with stress, so stress in the workplace career-wise, but also with anxiety and related um, stresses such as panic, um, OCD and other things that um, from time to time people do suffer from. So I sort of now combine my corporate background um, and the training in psychology with the coaching coaching work I do. Beautiful. And just to follow on from Sam in way of introduction, I'm Katie. Um, I've got a complementary healing clinic. So you yeah, see a lot of aspects of um, stress, anxiety, um, people just wanting to support their health and well-being more in their day-to-day. And the other component of my background is corporate human resources. So very much being in busy, large organisations um, and working again with the stresses um, that we experience day to day in the workplace. So looking forward to having this time with you all. So if, if we start looking at the topic of self-care at work, Sam, just in your practice, what would you say are the main aspects that that come to light in how people are wanting to support themselves more? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think because life is really busy and we've talked about this on some of our other seminars, but it's no different um, in the workplace. So because we are so busy, we're time poor. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we're all suffering from is an over busy life. And that really impacts us at work because work is the place many of us spend most of our time. If we're full-time, even part-time, we can spend a lot of our, of our waking moments in the workplace. Um, we have an underlying objective for work, which is to earn money, which is the reality that we do need to earn money to survive. So I think that has that added element in it. Um, plus, we're all then trying to do something we enjoy, do something we, we love, we wanna be successful, we wanna be productive, so, and we also want to sort of do well with our peers, support our peers, do a good job, get the work done, enjoy what we're doing at work. So there's a huge amount of expectation around 
what it what what having a good role or career means, what it what success means in your job. So there's a lot of pressure from that perspective in terms of expectations, both self-imposed and what others think. So people around us at work. There's also the time pressure, as I, as I mentioned up front, we spend a lot of our waking moments at work. So that really creeps into our personal time. So time for us as an individual to sort of relax, de-stress, but also time with our family, kids, um, loved ones and friends. So there's a lot of competing priorities around this sort of stuff at work. So my kind of first point um, for everyone listening and keen to hear your thoughts if you've got any questions is just to really assess your, your levels of stress. So the, the, this podcast and taking an hour or so every now and then, whether it be listening to a podcast or talking to someone, is a good way just to go, okay, well, what's going on for me at work? How am I feeling perhaps physically? What's on my mind at the moment? Am I, is there something on my mind about work? For example, I'm struggling with the commute. Like I'm not having any time at home because I'm sort of all, spending all the time commuting. Is there a project on at work that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to complete or I'm not sure if I have the skills to deal with? Or, or perhaps there might be a relationship at work um, that's difficult for you at the moment. We know that sometimes relationships can be very difficult to navigate. So is there a relationship perhaps on your mind that is impacting your stress levels? So having a think about that stuff, and if there's anything on your mind that perhaps you wake up thinking about or that you can't quite get out of your head, it's a good indicator of stress levels. Often when we sign up for, to listen to balance and wellbeing topics or um, sessions like this, sometimes there is stuff that's on our mind and it's good to have an understanding of how that's impacting our stress levels. And we can usually feel it in the body. We might, get, might be feeling tired, we might be feeling stressed, we might feel a bit anxious when we think about that project at work or that person that we have to interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. So just having some awareness now and thinking about, you know, what is on my mind and what are the, the points of stress that I can identify at the moment is a, is a really good place to start. Yeah, making it very practical and going, okay, this week, what's coming up for me? And then is there a pattern in that? To, are you seeing a, a frequent pattern that may be coming through? Because what stresses me could be very different to what's, what Sam feels mm. as stress. So, yeah, it's identifying personally what, what are the aspects in your role and in your life because nothing's separated. So what we often feel is if there's something going on at home, then we can go, okay, well, I'll switch off for that from that and I'll switch into work gear. But we're having ourselves on because there's no such thing as switching on and off. We're just choosing not to feel certain aspects. So if you have got something going on at home, of course, it's going to affect the quality of how you are at work. And likewise, if you've got something going on at work, it's going to affect the quality at home. So if we look at life as just one continual circle, that everything affects each other, both positively and negatively, it, it, it's great because, you know, if I'm working on one aspect, then I'm actually working on every aspect. So trying to support yourself not to have that switch off, switch on mentality. I'm putting my work hat on, I'm taking that off, I'm putting my family hat on because that's actually exhausting. And, and realise, remembering we're human, so we're going to have days where we're going to feel more emotional, more sensitive. We, we can't be expected to be robots. So the more you give yourself that um, space to be real 
and to acknowledge that and that that is absolutely not a weak, weakness your body's telling you that you know something's stressing you something's affecting you and and just to be more gentle with yourself basically if you have got something going on that you're processing so with often we look at um what's in our room of being able to support ourselves. But if we just take a moment to go more big picture and to go, great, I can see the day-to-day -day aspects that are impacting me. But if we look at culture, for example, and cultures of organisations, it's really great to start clocking things because you might work in a, an organisation that um, is fairly fluid or the, there's certain people that might have that urgency that everything's urgent and we've all got different personality types, but generally there can be a cultural aspect as well, just to go, okay, if one or two or three people are going into that, everything's urgent, then that is gonna have a ripple on effect for the rest of the division or the rest of the company. Or it could be that, you know, there's delay and certain people may be in delay, and then that has a ripple effect onto you and your role. It may be that, you know, we're working with people that have an expectation for us to work long hours, um, and then there's that expectation to have to look busy or look frantic. And if we're not frantic, then we're not fully committed. So I'm just naming these things out because on a global level, they're aspects of corporations and, and working and working styles that we go into. So you can imagine if that's happening around us, then that's going to cause a certain stress. And it doesn't mean that we have to you know, make it all better. It just means I'm clocking that these are my internal stresses that I've got going on, but also what am I buying into? Like if you're working really solidly in the hours that you're there to work, sometimes we do need to stay back late and, and we've got that commitment, but just look at what are you buying into someone else's expectation? And then are you putting pressure on yourself to have to look busy when actually you could be someone who's very steady in your work and you don't look frantic and that's a great thing. And then you bring that steadiness to other people. So it's good just to feel what, what the expectations are that you may have on yourself, but also that that you're feeling from around you. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I think that's great. And I think um, what you were saying at the start is really relevant around the, um, the impact of every part of our life on our career and work. So if perhaps there's, you know, you've been tense with your partner at home, or um, kids have been sick constantly, so you're tired. So that will have an impact on how we are in the workplace. But often we never, often in that moment of stress or fear, we don't have the clarity of mind to see the connection, even though when we step back, we go, oh yeah, that's obvious. We don't have that um, necessarily clarity of mind. So it's good to take that regular time out of our busy days to care for ourselves a bit more so we are able to see these connections a bit more and go, oh, okay, yeah, I was, you know, work didn't go that well because um, perhaps of stuff that's going on at home and you can start to see the connections. Yeah. So I think that's a really good point. Um, and also I like what you said about the expectations because I've had a question um, similar to this and the question is how can I, um, I work through the stress of, of work at work when I'm feeling judged for constantly having to take time off with a sick child? Mm. because yeah. that's, and, I think that's another person's expectation that we're feeling isn't it Katie yeah yeah exactly and that's why it's really cool to clock these external factors and um, different working styles that then you know are we taking that on 
And, you know, sometimes it does take, if you're feeling it a lot, to actually have a conversation and, and, you know, just confirming with that person that, you know, my commitment is completely here. This is a, a, an aspect that needs needs to be taken care of. And we, we do have the carer days that we have and we, we have families. We know that's part of it. But also, you know, recognising that, yes, that can then cause an impact on other roles around us. And we have that in the, in the companies that I work with as well. So, you know, it, it, it's realising that and sometimes different tasks need to be juggled around or is that one person always getting, um, having to cover a role? Is that too much for a certain person? So you're recognising that there's a tension there and then by being proactive, by having that conversation, it can help break the ice in that, you know, you're recognising it by taking responsibility from your side, then it gives them the opportunity as well. And it could be that there's a, a management aspect that needs to be looked at as to workflows and who covers what when there are people that aren't able to be at work. So it's a, it's a bigger picture thing as well. Otherwise, you're going to continuously feel that stress and you take that home with you, um, you know, when, you, when you're caring for the family, et cetera. And I, I'm a big one for having those conversations. And, you know, taking that responsibility when we can feel there's a tension there. Sometimes it, it's just someone's issue, so to speak, and it'll shift just by you staying steady. Other times you actually, yeah, the conversation really supports because you're all feeling it anyway. So it's like, okay, what, what do we need to do to manage this? I think that's, I think that's great advice um, because often we don't have those conversations and we know communication in relationships. I think we talked about this last week. Is, is key, isn't it? And yeah. we often, and often the when we're feeling judged, which we all do from time to time, often it's the thoughts about what we're being judged about or by who that can really cause us the most stress. And once we do address it, we can realise that perhaps the judgment wasn't as strong as we thought, or or we can or we're better able to understand someone's position. And sometimes we, when we we sort of unpack it a bit more, we can sort of identify our own feelings of guilt. Perhaps we're feeling guilty because we've had to take time off. Mm. So it's kind of really understanding our own reasons why we're feeling judged and guilty. And, you know, if we are feeling guilty for perhaps taking time off, the first thing is just to alleviate that and say, well, you do, you're doing your best. This, these things happen. Kids get sick from time to time and often it happens, you know, all in a row. And that's just the way life is and sort of taking the pressure off yourself because then that's you're able cool. then... And then to have those conversations because you're not blaming yourself, you're not holding anything against yourself. And so you're able to have these conversations around you with your team, perhaps some team have been stepping in to help you out and thanking them for it. But you're doing it, I think, from a place where you're not blaming and you're yeah. really also understanding the impact it's having on someone else. But at the same time, not sort of not beating yourself up for it. Yeah, it's gold, absolute gold, because... That, that's one of the fundamental aspects that, that gets in the way in organisations is the lack of communication, um, be it in our personal lives, be it at work, and the stress that then comes from that and how that affects our self-care is much more than we're actually like to recognise quite often. So if we're feeling attention, then most probably everyone else is feeling it too. We might be clocking it on a different scale, but it's there. And just as you're saying, Sam, if we're not communicating, then that gap can get filled with doubt, um, the guilty feelings, whatever it happens to be. So wherever we're holding back with an expression that's there to have, 
then it just leaves more room for for misunderstanding to happen basically so true that's so true isn't it we sort of get in our own heads about it and we stop communicating um and that yeah that voice of doubt rages which is which is which is not pleasant to deal with um what i was well another aspect of this is 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 values and i think i mentioned to you uh, this to you offline, Katie, about what are your values, sort of taking time uh, when we're, we're thinking about our stress levels, when we've sort of got an awareness of that, well, perhaps what are our values at work? What's important to us from a values perspective and are we aligned? So are we doing enough of what we love at work? Um, are we being sort of transparent, being ourselves? Are we doing things we're passionate about? Um, and if and 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 if we're not or we're not doing enough of it, you know, what can we do to perhaps do more of the things we love and are passionate about and that are important to us from a values perspective? Um, sometimes there's certain aspects of our role that we're sort of we're not sure on, but again, if we start to have awareness around it and correct any alignment that's not currently there, it can take a bit of pressure off. And it can also help you assess, well, hang on, what is it I love about my role? So you can start to reconnect with your passion. We often get lost in the day-to-day -day busyness of work so that we sort of, we often take, we forget to take stock and go, well, what is it that I actually love about this role? Perhaps it's the people, you know, you really love the people interaction and, and that's something you might want to do more of. Um, there might be things you can do less of at work through, um, discussions with your manager, perhaps. So there's always different ways, but we've got to really understand or take some, that, that step back and go, what's really important to me at work? And, and what are the expectations? Are, uh, am I putting down the things that are important to me or that are important to other people that I think I, that should be important to me? So a goal at work might be to get a, a promotion and perhaps you're not ready for the promotion or you don't personally need it yet. Um, and so sort of, sort of teasing these things out and going well what's what's an important thing for me what's what do i value do i really value that promotion and if not then hey let's put it on the back burner and have a conversation about it you know i'm really enjoying my role i want to consolidate my experience and perhaps that's the thing that's been on your mind if mm. that makes sense katie yeah absolutely and and also um just as you were talking sam just made me feel that where we're holding back when I mean holding back, it could be, yeah, you're, you're, you're feeling perhaps your potential in um, taking on more leadership or um, it could just be having conversations. It could be, you know, very straightforward just as not having those conversations we were talking about before of feeling attention there and then bringing up the, the conversation so there's an opportunity for that to shift and then to get in place what will support not only you but the division as a whole. Um, when we are holding back, the stress that that produces on your body is ginormous. So with the holding back the communication or um, just, yeah, advancing yourself as well. So often we can focus on our body and what we need to do to care for our body um, or we focus on exercise, etc. But those aspects of how we are in our day-to-day, -day, in our relationships, that can cause a stress that we're not even clocking. You know, we're looking at the external things coming in versus what stress am I causing my body just by how I am with myself and with others. 
Um, so, you know, again, it's pretty, sorry. What, what do you think causes people to hold back? Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> I, I feel, you know, we're, we're concerned about reactions. We're concerned about um, fitting in. We're concerned about living what's normal versus, and, and what's interesting with that, who's created that normal? We've all created that normal. We're all buying in. But quite often then we're not actually being ourselves. And this is what we talk about, my work hat. Well, what role then are we stepping into? What have we created? Is that true? Because that in itself is going to cause me a huge stress. If I'm saying this is how I need to dress to be in this role, um, this is how I need to speak to be in this role, your body's going, but that's not actually you. And we can be ourselves in business equally so as we can be ourselves in our personal relationships. Not only that, we actually bring more because you're allowing more of the insight that you have. You're allowing your individual expression. So if we look at the world or we look at an organisation as a, a puzzle and each of us are a bit of that puzzle and you can't make a whole unless you have all those individual bits doing what they're there to do, right? So we're talking about expression, so us expressing ourselves. And um, when you work with organisations and, and you bring in a culture that um, or support the culture of um, people being more of who they are, it's amazing to see sales increase, effectiveness increase, sickness, um, sick days decrease, et cetera, because you're, you're um, and that's what these podcasts are doing in the sense of um, supporting people to be more of who they are. And then you see the ripple on effect of that, not only when you're at work, but you bring that quality to your families and to home as well. So your health goes to a whole different level. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just wondering, we've got about 30 people online with us and I'm just wondering, do the people listening feel it's easy to be yourself at work or does your culture allow for it? Um, and what are some of the, the things that perhaps hold you back or, or that you've seen hold others back in your workplace from, from being yourself? I know that um, for many years in, early in my career, Katie, I... I thought you had to be professional at work. You had yeah. to have that professional, rigid, um, nothing bothers me, nothing affects me. I'm only focused on the facts and getting a good job done. Mm. And that emotional side of me or showing my personality, I, I had to sort of, I thought it was the right thing or the normal thing to sort of hold back on because you don't want to reveal any weakness. You don't yeah. want to give... Um, you know, workplaces can be competitive environments. I also wonder if people who are listening find it competitive, because I know I did. They can be competitive environments. And sometimes you're like, well, you know, I don't want to reveal anything about myself because what if that's taken advantage of? And I know that's what I used to think. But as you were saying, and I think you said this earlier or just then, um, it's really tiring. It's a tiring way to be. But you have to have that professional face on, go in and, okay, I'm just going to be careful about what I say, I'm going to hold back. And I, and I found over time that I was getting unhappier at work and I wasn't, my passion for what I was doing wasn't coming through because I was so controlled. Yeah. So it was a good learning experience, but something I suspect is quite common. Uh, Sam, you, you've just described me to a T in that way as well, like word <laughs> to word. I could totally identify, not an event, I don't know about you, but I had the whole perfectionism thing going on too and 
I dreaded making yeah. a mistake. You know, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely can't make a mistake. It's like could give someone ammunition then to say that you're not committed and, and not worthy, etc. And yeah, yeah if, I continue, if I continued that way, I would have been burnt out at a young age. Um, especially I worked in a very large corporation um, and, yeah, sure, there was all the competitiveness and, and all of that as well. But the key to that and, and what we can often learn with age is the more you value yourself, and this is what I could feel when you were talking, the more you value yourself and appreciate what you are bringing, then that supports you not to buy into that culture that we've all bought into and created, which isn't actually true. I true. That's, yeah, absolutely. Um, so here we're living life trying to, you know, support ourselves from the outside in. But what I can feel we're really looking at and exploring with um, uh, self-care at work from, from this podcast is to, yeah, to be looking at how you are with yourself and the expectations that you've got and that then having a huge support in your day-to-day. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting as we're talking, we've had another question, I think it's perhaps triggering off some people's thinking. Um, that <laughs> we're opening a can we, of worms here today. <laughs> opening a can of worms, which is good. Wipe them good. out. Get them all out. <laughs> Better out than in, absolutely. Um, but this question is actually about um, um, in times of change that people, or the observation is that people are actually less themselves and then they, be, they start to try and be more of what they think they should be. So the question is, um, how to support people through self-care in times of change? Yes, yeah, so so just, I'm not sure if I quite understood that question. Sure. In, could you just repeat that again, sir? Yeah, yeah, sure. So the question was how, how to support, how do we support people um, with self-care during times of change? And I think the context was, mm that um, when, when there is change happening at work or in the workplace, that people um, stop being themselves and they start to be what they think they should be. Perhaps if there's a, a structural change in an organisation or there's a project change, I think people start to get a bit wary, if I'm interpret yeah. interpreting the question right, yeah. and they're perhaps worried about their jobs or their role or how they fit, and so they then start to be more careful and go, oh, hang on, yeah. I don't want yeah. don't to don't rock the boat here. I want to just... Yeah make sure I'm secure and so they start to then change. But so how do we support people if we notice that they're starting to retreat into themselves a bit or they're, they're sort of stop bringing them, their full selves to work? Yeah, that's such a great question um, or, or topic for us all to explore a bit more. So I suppose what, what I could feel there is that it's exposing the control. So when there is a change, it, it's like we've got these unsaid agreements in the way that we work or... Um, aspects that we slot into with how we work with each other so it's not it, it's quite unsaid um, that then creates a comfortableness even though it can be very uncomfortable because it's not necessarily supportive but it creates a comfort in that we're all you know clocking along ticking along so to speak so then when there is that change then vulnerability comes out because it's it's not everyone's not sure how how it's going to slot in and how it's going to um, unfold, so to speak. So just by recognizing that is is amazing that, that that you know you're seeing those changes, you're seeing the changes in people, and then I suppose supporting you within that or ourselves within that as that change is happening around us not only supports us in our 
adjustment to that change, but then everyone else as well. Because quite often people are in their stuff that they're not actually realising that they're not being themselves to that full extent or that they are not even clocking, that they are feeling a bit more vulnerable, if that makes sense. Oh, totally, absolutely. And I think um, people who are vulnerable to change or I guess have trouble coping with the uncertainty that change brings, um, I often talk about this in a lot of the, the training I do um, in organisations who are facing big changes, whether it be big technology change coming in and that creates uncertainty for people's roles, um, that those who, um, I guess, identify their locus of control as being more external, so they're sort of a, a more of a victim of circumstance, that their um, they're kind of next uh, or their future is determined more by the environment which they find themselves in and the people around them tend to be less resilient um, and less themselves, I guess, when change comes along. Whereas as those, as those people whose locus of control is more around, um, it's internal. So they believe that their actions, behaviours, and thinking ultimately or has a, a larger influence on their circumstances, especially at work, um, those people tend to be more resilient because they're able to look at things like change as opportunity. Mm. Um, their level of confidence is usually high, uh, higher because they're like, okay, I, I know I'll be able to make this work. It might not be ideal, but I'll find a way to make this work. They might have a larger a network of influence in their business. Um, so I think um, one of the ways to help people with self-care is around helping them with confidence um, and then helping them look at um, the same situation with a different set of eyes. So just to look at the opportunity, help them to see the different opportunities that might come in with a change and how they can influence um, what will happen next by building their network, for example, within the business, um, speaking to more decision makers within a business, getting their skills and successes known within a business, um, as well as taking that time out to look after themselves as well. So they, they're sort of helping sort of to calm the stress levels. And then when their stress levels are sort of calmer, and we've talked a lot about how to do that in, in, the, in the stress and anxiety seminar, um, then they're more able to see um, change as an opportunity and start to sort of bring them themselves out and their personality out through that period, which then has a flow-on effect of being able to network better because you're being yourself more, you're more passionate, so you are going to create better opportunities for yourself, if I've, if I've sort of made that clear, Katie. Yeah, absolutely. And if we, if we do look at that, that every change is an opportunity for more, when I say more, um, development opportunity, more expansion, um, yeah, just, just to go deeper, basically. And a good example following on from what you're saying is um, I've been working very closely with an organisation and they've had a relocation change. And it's a relocation change absolutely for the better. It's new premises, very much built to support the body physically and the movements that they're doing within that organisation with their production, etc. So, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer from that point of view of 
um, you know, the kitchen facilities, the, the, um, the general rooms, the conference rooms, everything so much more supportive. But it was interesting seeing the staff, some really struggled, others totally embraced the opportunity because they could feel that it allowed them to be more as well. And then there were others that didn't want to step up to that. So then they'd find fault in, in very basic things. So it, it's great to see that nature within us. This is exactly as you're saying, Sam, how, how do we approach it? It's okay if we're feeling um, a bit stressed with a change. It's okay if we're feeling unsure about it. But just by clocking that that's coming up for us and, and just basically going, you know what, this could be a great opportunity how we're doing things might necessarily be supporting what's needed now, but there can be a bit of a stress that happens as we're all adjusting to that, but not holding back again in, in what you're seeing, how you can add to that, how you can support others with that change just as much as yourself. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And, and as a practical tip for that, the recommendation I often give is to, and for the questioner who's asked this, perhaps you're supporting people who are who often go through change, is to get them to write down what their fears are, um, following on from what you're saying, Katie, too. Um, write down what those fears are and what those worries are, um, and then help work through those fears. So once you get them out of your head, they can often, again, release a bit of pressure, and you can start to then, then sort of um, help people work through those practical fears that they may have from a workplace perspective and then hopefully hope hope to start to change their thinking just to see different opportunities so you can might help people who perhaps struggle with change and that voice of doubt rages you can start to balance out their list of fears um, with new opportunities um, so if they've got this list of 10 fears you can go well actually this change could bring an opportunity to do perhaps a new role, to get experience on a new project, um, to get yourself known more within a business. So you can start to help people really balance out their list uh, because you're right, change, when this question is asked, this change, the change that comes along can often really trigger people's fears. And if we're able to support them by getting them to balance out some of this thinking, by getting it out on paper, getting out of their own head, regular catch-ups um, with yourself or even offering them um, some external support if it's an option. Um, a lot of coaches are used during times of change for that reason. So people have an independent source where they can allay a lot of, get a lot of their fears out of their head and then rework them so they're able to start taking a different view on the same situation. Mm, yeah, great advice. Are there any more questions as well? Um, again, we can we can make it very pertinent to what's what's happening at the moment. Yeah, not as yet. So yeah, keen to hear. You know, if you've got any other specific questions on self care at work, we're going to talk a little bit about um, little tips that you can use yeah. um, in your day to day. I know we've talked about um, self care from a practical level. And I, I often think about the little things, so touches such as taking breaks, uh, what you're eating at work, who you're spending your time with at work, um, your commute in. So Katie, do you have any first thoughts on that? Around those yeah, the practical side of things? Yeah, I was gonna ask also um, what, what the power of observation. So just looking at your week and sometimes you might just be going, okay, yeah, yesterday was a good day, today's not such a good day. 
So there can be a hat pattern even with what you're doing on those particular days. So if you have a look at your week and say, yeah, generally Monday I'm feeling good, Tuesday I'm feeling good, Wednesday I'm not feeling so good. And seeing if there happens to be a pattern or it could be Thursday or Friday, whatever it happens to be. And then it may be the aspects that your role requires you to do on those particular days and then how you're approaching those aspects as well. So you might look back and go, actually, yeah, Wednesday is... Um, that's when I have to do such and such reporting and, and I either don't feel as confident with that or um, it's not an aspect I really love doing. So then just looking at how you're approaching that and then by clocking the effect that that, I'm just giving this as an example, but the effect that that mm. has on your body and how you're feeling and then going, you, you deserve more than that. So... You know, you look at people in different roles and we've got so many different roles in the world and there's people that really love their jobs and other people that don't. And then you see how they've had a change and how they're approaching it. And I know many people that have experienced this and they end up really loving their job. So, so much of how we're feeling is how we're viewing things and how we're approaching things. So that's a good one just to step back and observe if there is a pattern happening on certain days in relation to the projects or the meetings you might be having or the tasks that you're having to do, be that in your role or managing people, etc., and then looking at how you can support yourself more with how you're approaching those aspects. So that's very much, again, in, in your relationship with your work and how, how you um, approach your work. And then if we're looking at it from a physical point of view, the same thing, are you feeling more charged, say, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and... Um, for some people, it might even be Monday that they're not feeling as charged. So then you've got to look at your weekend and look at did you kind of drop the quality of how you are with yourself over the weekend, maybe eating food that you wouldn't normally eat, you know, as a reward on the week during the week and you, you're having those foods on the weekend and how's that affecting your energy levels on a Monday? Or could it be that you've got more space on the weekend, you're preparing food, you've cooked a few meals, and then by Thursday, you're not feeling that you're supporting yourself to the level you need to and you're feeling a drop in your energy or um, your vitality on those days. So if we step back and, and look at how we're supporting ourselves and preparing for our whole week, there's a lot that you can actually start to realise from just observing those aspects. I love that. I love what you're saying because we often, I often read blogs or um, advice around this sort of stuff. And we have really great tips around, and often, often they talk about great tips around self-care at work, such as, you know, don't have too much coffee, um, go out for a walk at lunchtime or get out of the office. And that's really important. But what you're saying is have that, have that map or map out your week or map out your last week that was quite busy and stressful and just find out perhaps where energy was up or down where you were physically feeling tired, what you struggled to get through, so that you've got a real clear, um, or you can see those patterns of what's making work more stressful for you. So then you've got to, then you can apply those tools and techniques more specifically, um, depending on what's going on in your week, especially when it's super busy. Mm. So I think that's nice, Katie. Yeah, and that's where often we've got the best intentions and, you know, we'll look at our exercise, we'll look at our food and then we're missing that gold nugget in what's happening on a bigger picture. 
and um, what am I kind of feeling like I need to struggle through each week when actually I, I can shift that and it could be that um, you might travel a bit with your role and you might find um, when you travel you're not eating as well so it's just looking well what snacks can you prepare for yourself so you've got that I mean these are very practical aspects but it makes a difference or you might find you've got a week where you've got two nights out you might really enjoy staying up late but you've got meetings or you've got functions on after work so then have you allowed yourself to go to bed earlier a couple of nights before so that you know you're not going to feel the impact of that or um, you know, can you juggle some of your work responsibilities so that you're doing the bulk of it when you're um, not having to go out late at night? So it's just, you know, simple aspects, but if you look at everything that's required of us, it makes a huge difference in mm. that support for yourself. And when we're trying to um, implement a lot of this self-care um, tools or um, ways of being at work that are different. We've got a great question on that topic um, and I'll read it out. So the question, or, um, is, the question is, as a people manager, how can I promote self-care at work and try to dispel some of the negative cultures like needing to look busy? Um, if you don't stay back, you're not working hard enough, etc. So often we sort of, we talk about self-care and we might want to go to the gym at lunchtime or leave home early when we're feeling tired so we can spend more time with the kids. But how do we, you know, as a leader of people, how do we dispel the um, those myths around um, all the negative things in, at work that can, can, can promote the opposite culture where, where self-care is not as valued or face time at work is important, for example? I love, you know, these are global cultural issues and then we're all buying into them. So... It, it's it's really huge um, in the sense of how this is affecting people. So I'd, I'd be a great believer in leading by example and knowing that whatever you're feeling, your team's feeling as well. They just mightn't have the confidence to be expressing it, etc. So by acknowledging people in the quality that they're working, not by, you know, you might have someone who just praises people that stay back late, you know, and, and therefore that generates that culture. And... It, you've got to look at, well, how effective are people being? And you can have someone who, um, you know, works from nine to five and is really effective within those hours and, and that's then not being appreciated or recognised if there is a culture of, well, actually you're not committed unless you stay here till eight o'clock at night, et cetera. Whereas if you do studies on that, the quality of um, that's being produced is often lower anyway. So what, what's great is you recognising that. You'll bring that into your conversations as well in, in how you're recognising um, aspects outside of working late, et cetera, but, but more um, from, a, from a workflow point of view and a, a, a consistency within that. And, and then that has a ripple-on effect as it is. Mm. So it doesn't have to yeah. be. And, it, you know, yeah, having those conversations too that... Um, people will start to feel as you're shifting that and as you're not being um, kind of bound by that yourself with what you're putting in place, then that frees up the team as well. And um, I'm working with organisations that are putting in more work-friendly hours as such um, and the pr productivity is increasing. So it's like we've got to actually start to um, live what we're saying, not just that we've got these policies for flexibility, etc. If we're not actually living it, then people don't actually have the freedom of that that we're trying to instill as well. And I think a lot of it's fear, and I totally get it. 
like you know we we like to think that if someone's putting in extra hours then we're going to be more productive as a team but it, we're missing the the important factors of actually it's actually the quality of, of how we're working and if someone's looking after what they need to outside of work then they're going to be much more productive at work so it's actually the opposite effect if it's not taken advantage of and if it is taken advantage of that's when the conversations happen because it's a privilege to have these these um a, a workplace that supports people in their in their care for themselves yes yeah exactly and i think um what you said at the start leading by example which i think is such a huge such a simple thing to do but it can be one of the hardest things to do so um and, and i often talk about having a line in the sand moment and it goes back to your values so what's important for you as a person as a human being what's important for you at work but and how does that align with your personal values and what you believe in and for me in my work um, in the corporate world uh, i always used to make sure i would leave and go to the gym um, during the day because that was my lunch break sometimes i'd take a bit longer than my hour you know my workplace was flexible but i also but i still had to get up and actually go to the gym when other people were sitting at their desks um, if i was tired at my desk um, i'd been working through a spreadsheet or a campaign plan and i was just i could feel my eyes getting tired i'd go out and go for a walk and it's hard to do because you do feel people looking at you but you but it, the more confidence you have in yourself, the more confidence you have in your own ability, you just have to get up and do it. So that's the first thing I would say is leading by example, you just have to actively practice these um, habits of self-care at work, even when no one else around you is. Um, and as you said, Katie, you've also got to then talk about it. So as a people manager, it's awesome you've asked me this question um, because um, you've got the opportunity to talk about it with your team and actively talk about what you do um, in terms of your habits and then try and encourage a different way of being um, while still focusing on the outcomes at work um, ensuring the job's done but you're really encouraging people to do what they want or what they need to you know within reason in their role um, to look after themselves and then i think you mentioned this too katie productivity innovation creativity all increases when people have lower stress levels and are happier at work but it can be hard just to physically remove yourself from the desk um, and go home and trying to do it confidently and, and without sort of trying to sneak out and just sort of take your stuff and sort of walk out say goodbye to your team make it known you're going you know you're not trying to shout it out from the rooftops but you just say goodbye to everyone as you normally would and you're leaving um, at a reasonable time. So you're starting to, by your actions, um, just to sort of keep doing it. And the more you do it, the easier it, it gets. So I think that is yeah. a really important thing to do. And the other thing I was just going to quickly say was also talk about your successes at work within the business. So if you've had a, done a really good project, you've achieved a good outcome for a client, for example, um, make sure you're talking about your successes because the more people know what you're doing well, um, it then is also easier for people to accept you doing those other things at work. 
Um, we all do good stuff at work. We all have great achievements, but often they're not known to our network of influence or the people around us. So the more you're sort of balancing out that, so people are aware of what you're achieving and what you're doing, you're talking about it, then it's all often easier then to obviously demonstrate those behaviours of self-care and then people can see the link, the connection between the self-care you're doing and then the outcomes you're achieving at work. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the same for for anyone. So just as you know, management or if you're if you're managing a team, you within your peers will have have to be breaking through things as well. And you might feel a little bit oh uncomfortable. Well that's the same as the team. So the yeah, the more as you're saying, Sam, that we practice that and, and start to mm. live that, then it, it has a very positive um, opportunity for everyone. Yeah. And then, I'm a Sorry. Sorry, go for it, Sam. I was just going to say we've got another question um, around are we seeing trends that people in the workplace, particularly parents, are stepping back in their professional careers? Oops, we've just got another question. So that's disappeared, so I'll just have to scroll back up to that one. Um, so are, we, are you seeing trends that people in the workplace, particularly parents, are stepping back in their professional careers to better manage their own mental health? and the well-being of their family as they are recognising that life is getting too busy and too and overwhelming and we can't manage it all. So stepping back to spend more time with family perhaps and I'm not sure if the question I means is but letting their sort of career take a back seat. Is that something you're seeing, Katie? Well, what, what I've seen recently with the companies I'm working with um, is that actually the staff are taking more responsibility in what's needed. So they're actually feeling the stress, just like the question's posing, um, but they're then knowing that it has to be addressed. So I'm not actually seeing a stepping back in their career. They're more voicing what they know is needed. So they're approaching their bosses by saying, this has been a, a change in our family, this is now what's needed. Or if they're in the recruitment process, they're being more vocal with what's needed because they know there's a responsibility and then that's actually respected because it's upfront, you know, they're, they're saying this is needed and then they're actually more productive because they're not having that stress um, and tension that they were experienced beforehand of trying to rush, 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 rush the kids off to to um, childcare in the morning, rush in the traffic. They're actually coming to work more centred because they're perhaps starting half an hour later, finishing half an hour later, or um, realising the stress that's imposed in their family and how that's then being brought to work. So there's a really, you know, we, we do have to start looking at these aspects more as as management as and as employees and, and self-managing by having these conversations, et cetera, and bring it to the table saying, I know I'm going to be more effective if I don't have this stress, because it's true. So sometimes we have to educate our bosses by saying, this is what I've identified, this is what I'm proposing, this is the benefit that I know it'll give, can we have a trial? So you're educating in that as well. And then they can see the, the um, and if you don't take advantage of it, there's, you know, it's a shame when sometimes it is taken advantage of, but then that's, that needs to be addressed. But majority of people, they don't. They respect the fact that they can do that. They feel um, the shifts that it has, have, has in how they feel about themselves, how they feel about work, and then productivity actually increases. Yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah, I think that's great advice. I think also um, 
in terms of the, the question around the comment around we can't manage it all and I think that's true in the sense that we can't all operate at 100 miles an hour all the time no. but it doesn't necessarily mean we can't be successful in our career and um, in, in terms of some of the stuff you were saying Katie and then also spend time with our family at home or enough time so we can't so it doesn't mean we have to it has to be one or the other I think is what I'm trying to say but yes we definitely can't operate um, on all fronts at 100 miles an hour because that's when stress will happen um, we'll tire out and then we will sort of unfortunately we'll probably pay the price in some form where the stress builds up we get our bodies will tell us in some form that we we do need to slow down yeah, and by taking responsibility, having these conversations, assessing as a family what's needed, and if if you're being reasonable about that, that that definitely gets felt. But not only that, because unfortunately we're seeing more and more um, stressed out toddlers, and you've got to just go, what's happening when you know two year olds, three year olds are exhibiting yes. high stress symptoms? We've got to look at how the responsibility we have as parents and as carers, and um, with kids in our lives that that has a ripple on effect and you know so it's not just taking responsibility at work it's um you know we're gonna yeah the the increase in antidepressants in in younger and younger ages we're actually by working with this ourselves we're supporting on a much bigger level as well yeah i think that's true and, and what you're saying about the toddlers it's it's quite symbolic isn't it that kids that young are really feeling the stresses of this crazy busy world we live in and mm. it sort of has a link to the next question um, and I'll explain a bit after but the, the question we've got here another follow-up question um, is could you re recommend some simple ways to not buy into the in quotations every, everything is an emergency mindset <laughs> and try to manage <laughs> workloads and bring in some routine to cope yeah. in this environment uh, because I think the, the question is workplace is extremely reactive, deadlines um, change all the time, everything was something done yesterday. Um, and I was my first comment and looking back to what you're saying around toddlers and them feeling all the stresses in our lives because we sort of unfortunately projects onto them, all our young kids, um, is the idea of just creating some space. So you know, creating some space for your kids or with your kids. Um, so we're slowing down, we're really creating some calm space and we're not buying into that, oh, I've got to get going, we've got to rush now, we've got to, you know, you've got to come with me now, you've got to get ready, you've got to do this quickly. We're sort of opting out of that kind of, everything's busy, everything's an emergency way of thinking. And from a work perspective, might some simple techniques to try and combat that everything is an emergency kind of mindset is I often ask, say to people, happy to help with it, but um, let's talk about it in an hour or, yeah, I can speak to you later on about that or um, doing something, anything you can just to create some space. If someone rushes up to me at my desk, I say, well, let's, let's why don't we go out and go, grab a coffee and talk about it or let's go into a meeting room if people rush into a meeting room, they're standing up and they want to get this thing sorted, I always sit down. Hmm. So I'm just trying to diffuse people's um, or try and bring a different energy into the conversation. Because if you're, if you're feeding that 
stress and that fuel and you're rushing around and you're oh, okay yeah what do we do to we've got to fix this problem we've got to get it sorted and we're not putting a bit of space in between the problem and our thinking about it or how we react to it we're likely to get lost in it ourselves so really putting some time even if it's just a little bit of time it can be five or ten minutes often the emergency dies down a little anyway the urgency doesn't seem so um, potent um, and, and we're allowing some space for the for the um, for that kind of cycle of negativity just to burn out a bit before you address the problem. Yeah, I'd love love those suggestions because it's it's so true that um, stress can be infectious and that um, urgency can be infectious. What you're introducing as the opposite to that, that too has a has a support and a ripple on effect. So, you know, someone may not want to drop it. Well, that's their free choice and that's okay. And if they prefer to live in the motion and, and the adrenaline, um, you know, no one can make anyone do it. But, yeah, by you starting to shift your movements in that way and introducing a different way, a lot of the time people actually align to that. It's just like if someone's next to you and they've got a habit of picking up the phone and kind of slamming it down, you know, hard, if you do the opposite to that, then if they're clocking it, none I've seen this happen. And then, you know, mm. they, they start to more, be more gentle or typing really hard on the keyboard. If you're not contributing to that, they've got an opposite to feel what they're doing more versus if we're all in the, this is urgent, this is urgent, there's no marker of something else. And what you're saying, Sam, is you're offering something else. I was observing someone in a role the other day and, and we were working together and I noticed every email she did, she put urgent in the subject field. <laughs> <laughs> and, then the, and I just playfully said, do you reckon that is actually really urgent or do you reckon that could wait till tomorrow? And she went, I don't know, no, it's urgent. And then she sat with it for a while and she went, actually, it's not urgent. Actually, I realised I put that for nearly everything. So it was a great opportunity. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. realise I did that. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? We get so lost in our delay, you know, and great that she was able to go, oh, I didn't realise I did that all the time. It just became so automatic. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. True. Cool. That's, we've got a couple of minutes. Were there any other questions as such, Sam? I think we've got to everything today, which is great. So thank you to all those who have contributed. That was, that was great questions and, um, like always, raising stuff that I think we can all relate to in busy workplaces. Yeah. And um, in between now and the next um, episode, which is episode five, it's on parenting from the inside out and looking after you when caring for others. And then we can discuss what takes you away from that, where you may get overwhelmed, etc. Um, but in, in the meantime, just clock some of the aspects that we've talked about. You may start to see more and we can always um, carry on with anything that's that that comes up in the meantime. If you did want to attend that episode five, um, which is on the 16th of May at 12 p.m., you will have to book into that to get the, um, the access link. But thank you very much for today. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Katie. It's been another good one. Yeah, we'll speak soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Bye.